Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Here's your host, Spurgeon Haddon Wilson. Today we are in conversation with Professor Amy Slowgrove, an Associate Professor in the Department of Pediatrics and Child Health at Stellenbosch University's Faculty of Medicine and Health Sciences. Professor Slowgrove is a pediatrician and a PhD epidemiologist. Professor Slowgrove is also the research lead for the Equanda Center for Rural Health based at the Worcester campus of Stellenbosch University. Her research program centers around pregnancy and early life exposures and their impact on infant, child and adolescent outcomes with a particular focus on HIV and antiretroviral drug exposure in utero. Professor, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thanks so much, Virgin. Lovely to be with you. Thank you for having me. It's only our pleasure and we're really looking forward to the conversation. Now, Professor, World AIDS Day is observed annually on the 1st of December. Can you give us a bit of background on children born to women with HIV in South Africa? And does all children born to women with HIV also become HIV infected? Spurgeon, that's yeah, an excellent, excellent question. Um, so firstly, I think it's really important to know that in South Africa, between 25 and 30 percent of all pregnant women in South Africa are living with HIV. And it's been stuck in this range for about the last 10 years. And this is really an astounding number. It means that at least one in every three to four South African children are born to a mom with HIV. And this makes understanding HIV and pregnant women really all of our business as South Africans, whether we're teachers of children, whether we are employers of of mothers, um, friends or family, whatever we do, we are likely interacting in some way with women and mothers with HIV and their children. So despite this high number of pregnant women with HIV, and that could probably actually be a topic for a podcast for another day, um, the the South African um, Department of Health at national and provincial levels with, with lots of supportive partners and a really active community of people living with HIV have done an amazing job over the last 10 years to ensure that children born to women with HIV are protected from getting HIV themselves. So that now 95 of children born to a mom with HIV will remain HIV uninfected or HIV free. And some people are surprised by this. A lot of people I found actually um, still think that it is inevitable that if you're born to a mom with HIV, that you will also get HIV. But this is really far from the case now. Um, With freely available antiretroviral therapy for all people living with HIV in South Africa, pregnant and breastfeeding women with HIV who are on antiretroviral therapy, or ART as we call it for short, will have close to a 100% chance of having a baby who does not get HIV. So although there's an enormous um, number of children, um, we say exposed to to HIV, having been born to a mum with HIV, um, there, there really has been tremendous progress in preventing them from becoming HIV infected. Thank you so much, Prof, for that. Now, why should we be paying attention or worry about HIV-uninfected children born to women with HIV? After all, they don't have HIV and are HIV-free. 
after the initial good news in the in the HIV story that um, transmission of HIV to children could be successfully prevented, we then started to see and realize that these children, even when they were HIV free, did not always do as well as children born to women without HIV. So they were more often being born preterm um, or, or, or premature or too soon or being born with growth restrictions. So being born with, with low birth weight and too small. Um, they often um, were more sickly in the first years of life than children born to mothers with HIV needing hospitalization for common childhood infections like pneumonia and diarrhea, but that these would present more severely. And unfortunately, more of them were and still do die in the first two years of life more often than, than children born to mothers without HIV, even when they have not acquired HIV. And so in the early years of the HIV epidemic, this seemed to make some sense because we know a mother's health and well-being is so important for her child's health and well-being. And at that stage, antiretroviral therapy was not available to keep mothers healthy and alive. However, we see from research done more recently and particularly in the last three to five years, that despite mothers now receiving antiretroviral therapy, being healthier themselves and being able to breastfeed their children um, more safely with, with antiretroviral therapy, these differences and these, these poorer outcomes in children who are HIV exposed are still present even when, when they do not have HIV. And we're increasingly seeing from research studies that more children who are HIV exposed are also delayed in reaching their appropriate developmental milestones during childhood. And we see this actually most um, specifically in their speech and language development, which can result in, in challenges for these children at school and, and poorer school completion. Um, and we haven't, we haven't observed them for long enough yet, but we know from generally um, children who and young people who don't complete school and have have. Um, learning difficulties at school will will also have consequences in the adult years in terms of, of income generating potential and, and things like that. Um, so overall, despite the availability of antiretroviral therapy for mothers with HIV and despite their progress, the progress in reducing transmission of HIV infection from, from mothers to children, these children who are HIV free are just not surviving and thriving as well as their peers born to mothers without HIV are. And, and that's really a concern for us considering that it's 25% of, of all the children in South Africa. Thank you, Prof. So you've um, elaborated slightly on it, but can you maybe um, elaborate more what exactly is causing all of these differences between children who's born to women with HIV and children born to women without HIV? You know, there are probably many reasons, and this has been quite complicated to study over the years and probably not the same reasons in, in, in every child. But we think of um, children who are HIV exposed um, as having a package of risks. So this includes 
they, they have some unique exposures that only children who are HIV exposed will experience, and that's that they actually are exposed to the particles of the HIV virus um, during pregnancy. Um, even though the virus can't, doesn't infect them, they still have an immune reaction actually to particles of the HIV virus. Um, and they're also exposed now to the antiretroviral drugs during pregnancy that are absolutely essential for moms, but that it is still an, an exposure during a, a really delicate time of, of fetal development. Um, and then we also know that they experience risks um, that can negatively impact child outcomes in any child, irrespective of, of HIV exposure. So what we call universal child health risks. But we know that many of these occur more often in children born to women with HIV. So these include, um, as we, we said, being born preterm or being born growth restricted or too small. We see this occurring more often in these HIV exposed children. And we know that any baby born preterm um, has a more stormy course during infancy and childhood and has 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 more challenges to, to overcome. We also have seen that breastfeeding has been very complicated for women with HIV with, with periods of time when they were advised not to breastfeed, um, and 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 now, thankfully, we're we're in a stage where they can safely breastfeed when they're on antiretroviral therapy. But still, there can be a lot of hesitancy around breastfeeding, and and often these children are not getting in their early years the full benefits um, that that breastfeeding provides. Um, we also know that mums who are unwell for any reason or who have died during during their, their child's early years, that these children also are more often sickly and, and more often die during childhood. Um, so we know that this is going to impact um, children who are exposed to HIV more often. Um, and then we also know that they're exposed to other infections in the in the household, such as tuberculosis, more often um, than, than children who are not living in, in HIV-affected households. And then, unfortunately, there's still many social and, and structural inequalities experienced by families affected by HIV. So this includes stigma that's still very much ongoing um, in relation to HIV that can result in social exclusion, um, poverty and, and other adversities that, that really just make life challenging for families affected by HIV and their ability to, to provide an optimal environment for their children to be healthy and, and to develop well. Um, and so this package of exposures from the, the HIV itself and the antiretrovirals in pregnancy to this whole environment that the, the, the children um, experience, we see is leading to, to health and developmental inequalities among children born to women with HIV, even when they have avoided HIV infection. Um, we don't know that exposure of the fetus to the antiretroviral drugs during pregnancy is causing a problem. And I want to be clear about that, that moms with HIV must absolutely um, be on antiretroviral therapy, that that is the first step in preventing and, and the best way to prevent HIV infection in children and to keep mothers alive and healthy and well um, to be able to, to care for their children. But we do know that moms being on antiretroviral therapy is unfortunately not solving the problems. Um, for this for this group of children. Um, 
and I'll, I'm happy to you know, elaborate any more on, on what else it could be, but I think I'll leave it for there, there for now. Now, thank you, Prof. You've, you've mentioned the package of exposure. So what can be done to improve outcomes for children who are HIV exposed and HIV free that you've just elaborated on? So I think the first thing is really understanding um, that where in the early days of the HIV epidemic, we might have um, actually unconsciously accepted that it was okay that these children were not doing as well. Um, I think now we're in a very different era. So with universal antiretroviral therapy, meaning that all people with HIV should start antiretroviral therapy immediately as soon as they are diagnosed with HIV. The goal for adults living with HIV globally is that they should have and can have the same quality of life and life expectancy as adults living without HIV. So this has also been amazing progress um, in, in, in the HIV field over the years. And what's important, though, for children is that this goal should really not be any different for the children born to women with HIV. We can't accept any longer that it's okay for them to not be doing as well as their peers. Um, and we really need to, as a community of, of researchers, as healthcare providers, as policymakers, as leaders in the HIV field, look beyond um, just preventing HIV infection in the children, but also ensuring that they developed optimally, that their health is, um, is secure and that they, they survive as well as children born to, to women without HIV. So what, what can actually practically achieve that then? Um, and I think, you know, the first thing is always starting with the basics. Um, so ensuring good health services um, for, for children and that children affected by HIV and, and uh, are, are able to access the routine healthcare services that, that we have. So receiving all of their immunizations, receiving their vitamin A supplementation and their deworming pill every six months um, will really do a lot to, to keep them healthy. Um, monitoring their growth and providing nutritional support early if growth challenges are identified, um, routinely screening them for tuberculosis because we know that they're exposed to this more often in their, in their homes and keeping an eye on their developmental milestones and responding to and not waiting when, when potential developmental delays in their motor skills or their language development are identified um, so that early interventions to support their development can be started. So the first thing is really a lot of just good what we know works for all children um, good child health, um, but really ensuring that these children get those those programs and interventions. Um, the next really important piece is supporting mothers with HIV to themselves stay well and healthy on, on antiretroviral therapy, which then has enormous knock-on benefits um, for the mom's entire family if, if she is well and healthy and, and supported. And some research shows um, that when mothers are already on antiretroviral therapy, actually before they fall pregnant, rather than only starting antiretroviral therapy once they become pregnant, um, their children have far less risk of getting sick and needing to be hospitalized and are generally healthier in the first year of life. So, so an awareness of one's own HIV status for all of us is, is essential. Um, but I think particularly for, for women of 
childbearing age and, and women planning planning pregnancies or, or desiring of having children at some stage in their life to know their HIV status and to, to be on antiretroviral therapy before they even fall pregnant um, to ensure that the best outcome for, for them and their, their child. Um, and then we really need to listen and talk more with mothers um, with HIV about their children. There's really been a... Um, uh, just a systemic, um, pervasive, almost dismissal of mums when they have voiced um, that they see something different in their children, that they see that their children are different to um, children born to mothers without HIV. But when they've raised these concerns with healthcare workers or others, they often just told, oh, you're worrying about nothing. Your child is HIV negative. You know, you've got nothing to worry about. But these moms, these moms know their children like, like all moms as pediatricians were taught you know to li listen to the moms and we really need to be listening to to women with HIV about their concerns and what they're observing in their children so that we can together try and find the optimal um, solutions to to support these families affected by HIV um, to to support children to to reach their full potential um, and we obviously need more research to better understand you know all of this and this whole complex your know, package package of risks but essentially it's it's doing the basics for children well and 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 supporting mothers to be well and healthy and and listening to to the moms are the other three key um, pieces I think and and what can be done for them Prof and speaking about research and speaking about solutions can you tell us a bit about the research that you and your team are doing to find solutions to some of these challenges as a, a team at Stellenbosch University, we are collaborating um, with researchers from the University of Cape Town, uh, with the Western Cape Government Department of Health, um, and researchers at Harvard University on one specific project called Cherish. And Cherish is funded um, by the United States National Institutes of Health, and they were um, looking for, for teams and, and researchers to set up um, systems to be able to evaluate over the long term, how this population of children who are HIV exposed um, but but HIV free are doing. And so the Cherish project is setting up various levels of evaluation to understand um, these sort of short, medium and long term, term outcomes in, in children who are HIV exposed. And so at the one level, we're working with the Western Cape Department of Health and the amazing investment that has been made into um, collection of routine um, health facility data. Um, so we're actually able to evaluate all children born in the Western Cape um, and, and compare them by their HIV exposure status to see how often they're being hospitalized and with what types of infections, as well as, as, well as to compare um, survival between children who are HIV exposed and, and, uh, and HIV unexposed. Um, so that's just working with data at a, at a data level and not actually working with, with the children and, and, and mums and families. So to complement that, we are enrolling cohorts of mothers with and without HIV during pregnancy and following them and their children through the first years of life. And we're doing this um, at a site in Guguletu, um, as well as a semi-rural site in the Breda Valley sub-district, which is located around Worcester. And through 
through these cohorts, we will in the end have 1,800 um, mothers and their children, um, 900 each from, from the Guguletu area and Breda Valley area to understand in far more detail what the risk factors are, but also what the protective factors are that can be intervened upon to ensure that this, this large population of children actually do thrive and, and reach their, their potential. Um, and then we're, we are also collaborating with, with researchers that are doing similar studies in Botswana and Kenya and in the United States and Europe so that we can all learn together um, and, and share ideas and, and cross-pollinate on, on what's similar and what's different um, in different geographic settings. Um, but I think what is important to note is that we don't only see these differences in children who are HIV exposed in, in Africa. We see these differences in this group of children across the globe, including in North America, where hospitalization also occurs more often for infectious diseases, as well as in Europe and Brazil and Asia. The, the key for South Africa, though, is that 25% of all children in the world who are HIV exposed are actually living in South Africa. So we have the largest population in the world of, of these children. And so it's really up to us as South African scientists and researchers and healthcare providers and policymakers and community of, of people affected by HIV to figure this out and, and to ensure that 25% that of the children in our country are not left behind and, and do survive and thrive as well as children born to, to women without HIV. Sure. Professor, thank you so much for this conversation and for the work that you and your team are doing. And I think as we are um, getting nearer to the 1st of December um, and thinking about World AIDS Day, um, we will commemorate and think about all the work that has been done and the progress that we have seen thus far. And thank you to you and your team for being part of that progress. And please continue with the good work. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.